Hey everybody, welcome to Pale in Comparison, a proud member of the Doof Network. In this podcast, my sib from another crib uses her knowledge of the otherverse to take a look at Pact, Wildbo's least chill work, and I try not to give away any spoilers. I'm Jenniet, and Malia convinced me to keep Jenny locked in the mirror world just one more time. I'm Malia, and Jenniet convinced me to work at his cool law firm for 570 years. Now that's what I call job security. <laughs> this episode, we are covering histories, arc 15. Before we get into that, however, I'd like to issue a spoiler warning. This podcast is filled with pale spoilers. If you don't know about Percival Awarenock II of the 100 of titles, the first of which is... Oh, sh- uh, huzzah, huzzah. <laughs> huzzah? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and don't want us to tell you... Stop now, read Pale, and come back to this podcast. As for Pact, there will be full spoilers to the chapters we are covering. I hope... Sorry, I, I'm just going to start talking about 24.8. I hope <laughs> Ottawa did patch the Hazar like, loop. I, I mean, they have to have, right? Yeah, that... Well, I guess... Does anyone know about the Hazar loop? Yeah, do, do they know that he figured that out? Yeah, exactly. I hope they um, did. I hope they know that he figured it out. Because that, like, at that Carmine contest, like, you know, no one saw them. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty closed doors. That's that's a whole thing. So maybe oh. the Sable somehow was able to be like, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or maybe they sort of left it in there on purpose that time for some reason. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's all. Let's <laughs> see. Um, also, a quick note about the Pale Complexions fan art contest. I don't know exactly when this episode's coming out, but chances are. <laughs> The deadline is closed, and so if you're a patron, it's probably time to get voting. Thanks for everyone who submitted. Um, We're excited to see uh, the ones that come in between now and the time this airs, and (laughs) who um, wins. It's very exciting. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and apologies if there's any sort of delays getting that vote out or the final results. We will all be in Hawaii, so we'll be doing our best, but. It's going to be a busy time for everyone. Yes. Most of all, Malia. Yes. Um, that you're going to say most of all you, because you have so many scuba things, so many scuba appointments. <laughs> yeah, I need to actually sit down and double check whether I'm going to be okay to fly. <laughs> Wait, uh... I don't, I gotta, I'm going to have to check my nitrogen uh, levels uh, and maybe cancel one. Yeah, don't fuck we'll them too close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, well, I'll get into the chapter summary and then I guess we can start talking about uh, 15.x. Uh, so yeah, our nameless diabolist man comes home and finds that he has the worst house guest of all time crashing in his kitchen, Mahoon. He manages to call in, quote unquote, help, and man lets him join the hottest firm around. And it's hot because it's from hell. Um, <laughs> all it costs him to join is everything. Uh, we jump forward to his orientation day. We learn some cool lore about demons and the firm in general. We get to see fan favorite Miss Lewis, uh, <laughs> who then takes our nameless POV to meet up with Granny Rose, who is her blunt and unhelpful old self. But she does give us some insight into how uh, horrible Miss Lewis actually probably is. And with this in mind, we finally cut to the present where Levin manages to get Miss Lewis to stop playing with her food. And so she kicks up. Uh, her attack and summons Fell, Callan, and Laird to join the battle. What did you think of this chapter, Malia? It was 
pretty upsetting <laughs> in like every way, um, including Wildbo embarrassing me yet again by being like, oh, you liked Ms. Lewis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Even when she was in the chapters in fe- like, like last week, we were talking about it and I kept having to like consciously remind myself, it's like, no, 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 she's pretending. Because I fall she's for really, it every time. I know. There's still, there's still like, you know, part of me that's like, no, what if? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe this guy's wrong. It's right. Um, but, I mean, it was really, it was great. I did want to see more about the firm. Um, I wish it was longer. And mm-hmm. so, I yeah, I loved it. Yeah, awesome. It, it is one of those ones that makes you wish uh, the chapter's impact were as long as pale. Because it's such a brief, mm-hmm. brief glimpse we get. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I feel like I I do want a little bit more about um like we only get one kind of standard like task that the lawyers do I guess coming up to like kill some pesky diabolus at the end is like vaguely standard but I, I yeah I just wanted a little bit more of like what is it like to actually be one of these dudes yeah I mean there's a lot of implication that it's not great right. um like there's talk of sending him to a house in Berlin I think it was. Uh, um, um, Hamburg, Hamburg. Ah, uh, okay. Ah, uh, same diff. Um, the Hamburg no, uh, house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I mean, the yeah, the it, you know, I wouldn't even call it subtext. It's it's heavily implied that that would be a bad time for some right. reason. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I think, and I've never really quite understood why. I think there's a general consensus that this guy is is the lawyer who gave Blake the ride to Toronto, like in Mm -hmm. Mm 4.1. So I guess that's another potential day is, you know, giving Blake a lift. That's true. He seemed pretty happy to be doing that. Yeah. Well, you would be now that we know what, or we've had, uh, you know, vague implications of what the other days can be. Right. Hanging out with Blake does seem like a good day. (laughs) Um, But yeah, well, I guess, uh, so let's, let's get further into the chapter. Um, so we'll start with the opening section, which is where, yes, this is this Diabolist who doesn't even get a name uh, comes home and finds Mahoon crashing in his kitchen and uh, Mahoon uh, injures him. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I like that this practitioner doesn't have a name because, you know, like as far as we know, none of the protect- practitioners in the firm have names until they make it if they make it to the top three spots. Um, oh well, even then, I know like something that always has jumped out to me is this guy calls Man Levin and Lewis, and then we meet Miss Lewis, and she's not a partner yet. So there's almost an implication that she gets the name Miss Lewis when she becomes the partner, like not necessarily the other way around. Like the partners don't get their original names; it's almost like a title, I guess. Right. Um. Like I'm assuming that when one of them leaves for some reason someone else can like like get slot yeah slotted in as yeah man, Levin or lewis um yeah so that, like none of them like i guess you know it, it costs them everything including their name i guess mm-hmm. and like while this practitioner when we see him at the beginning does presumably still have a name i think it's more effective that we don't know it mm-hmm. um because like i'd just be calling him like you know jake or whatever throughout like the rest of this <laughs> yeah thing um and he'd be jake but he's not he's just like a guy and like like fisher has a name like i'd liked that detail that he's the nameless person in this um 
Good point. Yeah, it kind of reminds me, this is a weird thought, but it reminds me of um, some gothic novels. Um, in particular, Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, something like that. Um, the protagonist doesn't have a name. Like the narrator, um, oh. she's the second Mrs. De Winter. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the only name we get through her throughout the entire story, which is fascinating. Um, well, is that one of those? Because I've, I've read a few books from that time and they're often from the perspective of someone writing letters and stuff like is is it like that so she's just not naming herself no um oh, no. Okay. yeah it's it's not letters but yeah you it's just the second mrs de winter the whole time because she gets married to this guy at, like the very beginning of the novel and then goes back to this house and it's like his first wife rebecca is like haunting her kind of <laughs> maybe um but yeah something about that you know, like Rebecca becomes such a huge presence in the novel. And the novel's so much about her, um, and not about this like small, like it, it is about this small woman who has come and like married the super rich dude or whatever and lives here now. But that compare, like her not having a name, really like diminishes her mm. in a way that I think is effective in setting up Rebecca as this like huge figure. And in a way, like, this dude is diminished. Like, he's just a a a shell. A He's just, like, a, a vehicle for us to learn about this chapter more than he is a person, which is interesting. Yeah. I, and especially when you compare it, I mean, even in this story, we followed Mags for a bit when she was just the girl on the checkered scarf. Mm-hmm. Um, like, she didn't have a name for a bit. And that was, you know, de- destroying her and, and ruining herself. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, one thing we've learned about the lawyers very recently is that they're not permitted to die. So, like, I feel like this is probably a thing where it's like, this is still bad for his self and tears him up inside and all that. But, you know, he's not permitted to actually disintegrate because his employment takes precedence. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Should we talk about Fisher? Yeah. <laughs> and this makes me so sad every time. Like, this is maybe the worst thing that happens in Pact. I mean, like, you're probably right. It's just, like, so many awful things happen in this story. But also, <laughs> this is so awful. Because um, Fish is like, please don't. Like, just just say no. And he just says Just say yes. no. Like, just die now. And he's like, because, and I, I, it's such a powerful moment establishing who this person is and, like, what these lawyers are and who they are. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, we just, Fisher has a name. He's a little toad. He He's hiding in a pocket. He's looking out for his dude, like, and even without, you know, Snowdrop and all these other things that I think about with Pale, like, we have Evan, we have, like, mm-hmm. like an incredibly strong, like, practitioner, um, familiar bond that we get to see in this story, and so it's like, this is your familiar, this is a toad, and he pauses, he's like, oh, fuck, um, when he's like, oh, you have a familiar, and we'll take him and do whatever we want. And he says, like, please don't. But he agrees. Yeah. Like, I do think, I, I think you're right. Like, I think Fisher, the few lines he does have are written to invoke Evan a little bit in our heads. Cause he's definitely mm-hmm. like, you know, he's making a little joke when they first meet Mahoon. Like, it's, <laughs> I, I think he is meant to remind you a little bit of Evan, even though he's clearly very different. It's just like, you know, that's a heartstring Wildbo has to sort of pull on to make this moment even more painful. Right. Because you're not getting, like, briar girl, bear yeah. energies. You're getting more, like, 
partners and a little bit more like this familiar is vulnerable. Um, yep. And so where I went from like, oh, fuck, this dude is like, had his legs blown off and is like in all this pain and is lying here, you know, like you don't really know the situation, but you feel like I felt really bad for him and was like, this is awful. And I can maybe kind of see why someone would call the lawyers in this situation. Yeah. But then like immediately signing Fisher over to them makes you hate his guts. <laughs> At least made me hate his guts. I was like, oh, oh yeah. no, fuck you. Right. Well, um, I think, like the, yeah. what are the recurring beats we get in this chapter is that this guy does not make good decisions. Um, <laughs> and it's just like another real, like, you know, as you said, Fisher is sort of his moment to be like, oh, this is a bad call. Like I should not do this. And he still does it. And then he finds out this is probably even worse. So it's just, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just, it's so, so selfish and interesting. Like, you know, heroes and stories do, I guess, the self-sacrificial thing, do the Blake thing and yeah. don't fall for stuff like this. And seeing someone agree to this uh, helps make people like Blake feel more extraordinary, but also to condemn another person. And then it makes sense where it's like, oh, like he used demons to get a bunch of money, which that's a horrible fucking reason to use <laughs> demons. Like, what the fuck? And then he, like, you know, ended up summoning this like crazy powerful one which then like started turning his family members into like diabolists who were then possessed by other demons or whatever like it's just like oh you're like a complete piece of shit and also like he just doesn't ever it's it seems like he doesn't ever acknowledge that he did anything wrong and there's that interesting moment where he like feels like he should feel sorry he's like like he wanted to think that this was karma and that he was like being punished for the bad things he had done or whatever. But like yeah. he couldn't, it wasn't just like, but this was too awful. And like, this felt like too much. It was like, I, he couldn't even feel sorry for the horrible shit that he's done. Yeah. He reminds me of the Aurum a bit, actually. Oh like, my God. Um, Probably even worse than the Aurum, but the Aurum had that <laughs> same vibe of, he was just like playing stupid games to get rich mm -hmm. and get in the universe up in his grill because it was because he was pissing it off and uh managed to kind of well i mean i guess the aurum actually kind of failed upwards whereas this guy you know did not um seemingly but yeah it's, it's a similar sort of vibe of just creating messes and not really taking any responsibility for that part as much as he maybe should right and condemning is familiar in the process yeah um yeah they are wow yeah they do feel very similar um <laughs> But yeah, and then uh, and Mahoon is is sitting in this uh, kitchen. Just I I love all the details about how big his shadow is. It lends him this really mm. cool presence. Yeah, it's how he he breathes and his shadow expands and it warps everything in the kitchen. Mm. It's really interesting and just how I mean one thing that I don't get about demons, I guess, is I guess like. We've seen Barbatorum and we've seen him work and he, it's not like he's omnipresent. Like he's, he is constrained to his body, it seems like. And, you know, he can move really fast and do everything, but it's not just like, if he gets out, you're immediately dead or whatever. And this dude's just like chilling in this guy's kitchen. And I guess like, you know, I don't know what demons can do necessarily. Like, Ur was like absorbing anything 
that got near it. But and so I guess I sort of figured that other demons would be more like that. But this dude's just like, I'm gonna chill in this kitchen and torture this guy, I guess. And like, <laughs> does he have to go back to wherever he came from after this? Is he like gonna go down the street and like, you know, like I just I'm not quite sure what Mahoon has the ability to do here. He seems bummed that he calls the lawyers. Um, I don't know if it's because like, oh no, I don't get to torture you anymore. <laughs> uh yeah, but, well, yeah. I'm, I'm reminded of, I think it was like Faisal's interlude where Faisal kind of went on a bit of a thing about how like there is no grand plan or coordination between a lot of the angels. Like a lot mm-hmm. of them are just kind of doing their own thing. Um, and I just always kind of assumed with demons it's a bit the same. Like there is this huge variability in what abilities and stuff they have. Um, mm. And yeah, like they're all just kind of doing their own thing. <laughs> Like, like I think something this chapter does establish is that the lawyers aren't this omnipotent cabal associating with all demons or anything. Like, Mahoon is very separate from um, the lawyers. In fact, there's even implications that if man upset him here, he could obliterate man. Um, mm. So there's like, I, yeah, I just assume that, like, yeah, the, the demons are very variable and there's all sorts of things each one can do or whatever, and they're just kind of all running around destroying their own stuff. Yeah. Yeah, one thing I that you said like about him being able to destroy man too is like I don't quite understand the relationship between them. Um like, you know, at one point it said in the chapter that like the man Levin and Lewis are just below demons in the like power structure or whatever. Um but it's yeah, it's yeah, and I, I guess just... with Oh, sorry. You go. What? Oh, I was going to say like I guess with Miss Lewis like she also, I think, like, asks even for, like, the imp's favor or whatever. Like, she's not, like, commanding them, um, like, how other practitioners deal with others or whatever. It's it's always, like, you know, like, please do me this favor or whatever. Um, and so I guess, like, like, who established this firm and why <laughs> is it here? <laughs> I, don't know. I, I assume it was, like presumably seventh choir demons i assume demons mm. started it and because it seems like a tricky long-term plan i assume seventh choir sure but yeah like, yeah my my guess is that it's like there's yeah some demons who kind of own the firm and, and have set it all up and then that's why it's like you know as agents of those seventh choir or whatever demons that's the relationship between someone like man and mahoon is like mahoon would just see man as an agent of those demons Hmm. Um, basically like their summit in a way. <laughs> cool. Uh. Um, but yeah, and like there's some fun stuff here with like Bahoon, and it's like it's really unclear what choir he might even belong to. Like there's this real sense that like he's so big you, it, it seems hard to categorize him. Right. Um it so like apparently some of the demons in the choir of unrest write books like they're yeah. diabolus and send them out into the universe to like make more diabolus um which immediately made me think of black lamb's blood and like <laughs> was that written by a demon um fascinating um it it seems like the demons are not bound by the seal um there's even a line i think that someone says at some point yeah even if the demon noble wasn't bound there was a certainty to his words that gave him power. Um, mm. And I'm assuming that that means like, yeah, he's not 
he's not bound to the seal of Solomon. Um, so presumably he can lie. Um, but I don't know if part of it is just like, I mean, part of it is just like spirits will ignore you if you don't speak the truth because they'll not give your words as much weight. So mm. presumably that would also apply to demons and whatever. Um, but it, yeah, well, yeah. demons have an interesting relationship with spirits. I think like it was, um, I think it was the granny Rose diary or, but the, the second one, like in, I think it was seven dot X where she was talking about how that was the one where it was like, there were first choir demons and it would like replace people with statues. Mm. But her theory was that it's not that the demon is creating the statue. It's like the demon obliterates the person and then the spirits kind of fill in the vacuum. Like the spirits are like, oh, shit, there's meant to be a person there. And they kind of put a statue there because it's as close as they're going to get. Um, right. And I think it's even said that like, uh, and maybe even Barbatorum, it's like they don't look like they do. That's just like the spirits kind of doing a best guess approximation. Like it's like, you know, they're these weird things that, like Ur is just sort of darkness and violence. And so the spirits, when you look at it, the spirits just going, I don't know, put a bunch of like teeth and muscles and shit there. That that'll do. Um <laughs> is sort of the vibe I get. So it's like the Right. The way that the the way that demons work with spirits, and this applies to Faisal a bit too, I, I imagine. Like there's they have interesting relationships with the spirits because they kind of command them in a different way to humans or others, I think. Right. The idea that, yeah, angels and demons aren't exactly others is interesting. But, I mean, there's no clear lines in this universe. And, you know, you mm. can take an angel as a familiar, like, he's an other. But also, yeah, they're not. Yeah. Well, Faisal's interlude talked a lot. He um, was changed by humanity. I think he said, like, he's become more humanish mm -hmm. in his intelligence and his appearance. Um, and, like, that was because of the influence humans have had. So it's definitely not, like, they're untouchable. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, there's like parts of them that are, I think, fundamentally different to most other things. Right. I mean, in the same way that humans are kind of fundamentally different, um, it, yeah. it's a, it's like angels create, demons destroy, and humans change, and a lot of other stuff can like do that as well. But it's and maybe it's mostly the seal that does this, but it's harder to like bind humans, and it's harder to, um, they seem to have. A really big influence on others um and other things that feels significant i don't know yeah sorry i've 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 lost the train of how we got I'm trying to remember <laughs> what, why we, why why we were talking about this how, how, we were how talking was, about the seventh choir that's right okay yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with it now i was like wait why what was the point that i was trying to make when i started talking <laughs> yeah uh i was wondering what do you think what choir do you think they have mahoon classified as um, his thing is he turns people into like monsters or killers or diabolists. Uh, and I guess that made me think like choir of sin because it's a person related thing. But yeah. what do you think? It, it feels like it must like, I, I agree. I thought sixth. And then there's a sort of implication by man that he's like, oh, maybe we have you wrong. Maybe you're kind of more seventh. Right. Um, and yeah, my guess would be six because there was also the element of like how much he seemed to prey on greed which hmm. feels like you know one of, well that's one of the seven deadly sins right like that right feels like it would be a sixth choir jam right because he's not just like it's very focused on humans and fucking with them and not like turning them insane so it seems yeah yeah um 
Cool. Well, yeah. So then uh, this is when uh, Man, our, our favorite lawyer, gets called in uh, <laughs> and, yeah, sort of chats to Mahoon for a little bit while this dude is just unconscious on the ground before waking <laughs> him up and getting him to join the firm. Well, it's also, it's ridiculous where when he goes and like slaps him in the face or whatever, he's like, you only have 30 minutes and you chose to spend like yeah. some of that time wallowing. I'm like, I don't know that that's an accurate representation, but okay. <laughs> yeah, choose feels like an arguable verb there. It's like you chose to ignore him and talk to that demon. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Um, one of the things I really liked about this um, was when he decides to talk to the practitioner and he moves the rug yeah um, without like just using the spirits or whatever and the you know i think he said like it's a simple but not easy trick or something like that and hmm. um you know it's like he he says like oh people can do this in their domain like in your domain we see verona do cool shit like your the spirits yeah. kind of get used to you and they know who you are and they they start to get stuff and do stuff and listen to you but like being able to treat anywhere like that means that you have to be recognizable to spirits anywhere. Which and is so crazy. It's insane. But also I was like, <laughs> oh, like, you know, you have like universal name recognition. And for some reason I was like, oh, so man is Coca-Cola. Like, <laughs> like, what? Man. Or like, <laughs> like the Mickey Mouse logo. Like, right. Or McDonald's or something like, I don't know why I didn't think like man is, um, I don't know, Brad Pitt or something like a human, <laughs> but no, like man is beyond. Yeah. Well, we just talked earlier about how they're, they've had a lot of their self stripped away from them. So yeah, he's closer True. to Coca-Cola, I guess. And it, it's funny, the idea of thinking that like the spirits get all like excited. Um, and maybe in for man, it's not like a happy excited, but like, you know, if like some, you know, if Brad Pitt just sort of like walks into your house and is like, hi, can I get some water or whatever, you know, like, yeah, sort of yeah. like I'm imagining <laughs> these random like rug spirits or whatever being like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, in this case, it might be more like, <laughs> like I don't know, like, some, uh, yeah, like a dictator or like <laughs> sure. mass murderer, sort of like, you know, <laughs> less positive. Yeah. But, you know, if if a, if a dictator comes to my door and is like, can I have a glass of water? I'm going to get that glass of water because I'm not like. I just want that glass of water to get given and then they leave, hopefully. <laughs> Maybe that's what these spirits like. They're like, hey, give him the rug. The quicker he gets in and out, the better. Right. Um, I, I, so I love this line um, where when he, uh, when our nameless protagonist's uh, legs get removed, uh, he describes it. Uh, he says, it was pain in the same way that a tsunami is water. Mm. And then, you know, goes into even more detail about how horrible it is. But I just wanted to call that line out. I really love that. It's so evocative of just like helping you understand that this is like incomprehensible pain. Right. But then a little bit later, he talks about like falling forward and hitting his chin on the tile without like using your arms to stop it or whatever. And mm. like that, that was like, like nothing in all of this crazy pain. And that helped me focus in on it more because just the word pain is so nebulous but like the idea of like falling and hitting your chin, like ah, like oh, hmm. um, I felt it. But I felt that more than my legs getting ripped off. Like that's just harder to comprehend. My my chin is just hurting having this conversation, and my teeth. <laughs> like, eh. 
<laughs> I don't even know if I've ever actually done that. I'm sure I've hit my chin on something because it wouldn't mm. make sense to be able to feel that like sympathetically, but I can't just. Ugh. Oh, and uh, uh, hmm. oh, yeah, sorry. I just um, I w- wanted to call out um, the the little part where like we get we get it established that Mahoon is a noble demon. And I don't know that we know like, knew that that was a title, but I love that as a kind of. Like just the the idea of it be because I think you know it's been like moat and mid tier demon and stuff. Now it's like a noble, and you just sort of it made me think of like you know in in card games and stuff where it's like suddenly <laughs> you have the picture cards like the king. Like it just makes him sound. It's such a title, right? This was like oh shit, like because even I think Barbatorum is described as like moderate or something. Yeah. Um. And so this is like oh you fucked up. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, yeah. What the? Why the fuck did you do this? <laughs> um. And yeah, the it's not like greater or I mean maybe it's there's greater and then there's noble or something, but noble seems like a little bit of a shift from a mm. lot of the other words as well. But immediately you're just like, oh fuck. Yeah, there's something like the way it's kind of refined as a title just makes it it suits the way Mahoon just kind of sits there and just has that presence, like, and you're just like, oh, this is like this is it's not like you know because Barbatorum and, and Ur kind of felt like crazy monsters. A lot mm-hmm. of the time, whereas Mahoon mm-hmm. is just a clever, evil guy, almost. Right. He reminds me more of Corviday or um, mm. that one guy's boogeyman familiar from Fell's ancestor. Uh, yeah. I can't remember his uh, name. The, the guy who like stole faces or something. I don't remember right. what his name was. Yeah. For some reason, kind of reminded me of him, even though I kind of liked him. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, a more a much a more put together vibe, I guess. Yeah, do you reckon this guy's worked with Faisal before? I'm desperate to ship Faisal with somebody. <laughs> well, there's, there's Faisal and Barbatorum, I guess. Yeah, true. That's probably the most sensible one. Yeah, I don't feel like they'd vibe super well though. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's more one of those like things. Prissy. Yeah, you know when like wait, wait, or and when people used to say like Brett and Edith should get together in Pale, and it was like, oh, neither of them deserve that. Like, <laughs> you know, Barbatorum doesn't deserve Faisal as much as Faisal doesn't deserve Barbatorum. Yeah, I just also don't feel like their their vibes match very well. Like, I can't I can't see what would attract them to each other. Yeah, that's why that's why it's such good drama, Malia. This is <laughs> this is why it's gonna be the spinoff story. It's like, you know, odd couple, opposites attract vibes. He's a slob with a horse head and, you know, he's a prissy dog. <laughs> and now they're roommates. Right, for when Faisal inevitably is trapped in the abyss as well because they can't fix the whole thing with the pipes. <laughs> <laughs> what they a place down the to street. be roommates. <laughs> they live down the street from the witch. And she's just like, ugh. And it's like, you know, listens to them bitch about each other and... <laughs> Bring some over pie. <laughs> when the drama gets too much, the abyss actually just spits them out. It's like I can't with you two anymore. <laughs> You've like, changed enough. The- Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the trick to getting out of the abyss. It's just to be like so insufferable that the abyss is just like, oh, I can't handle this guy. I get out. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> um, was there anything else from this section that you wanted to call out? Um, yeah, I just like the ominousness of, um, you know, you won't get to die for a long, long time. Um, mm. like you, 
unless you're really lucky, you won't be dying for a long time. And it, it does step up the like, oh, fuck, oh, shit, whatever. But I wish I saw a little bit more of what about the job sucks. Yeah, it'd be great Instead to of, have yeah. had a Hamburg house section. Right. Probably awful as well, but cool. You're not a long section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay, so so we jump ahead. Fisher is gone. Uh, R.I.P. Fisher, or hopefully. Hopefully. Um, and uh, so we, we see a bit of uh, our nameless protagonist's orientation day. Uh, man gives him a bit of a lecture about how demons work, uh, how the firm works, and then Miss Lewis comes and takes it. Well, she's not Miss Lewis yet. She's just next in line for partnership, but she comes and, and takes charge. I this, was, this lecture was one thing where I felt a little bit bad because, like, I don't really understand what he was saying. He was like, yeah, like, like, there's tears and there's speech and imps can speech because they're kind of or can talk because they're kind of like human and nobles can talk because they're like broad and i'm just like what the fuck are you talking about and like this was where i was kind of like oh like you need to study a bunch like what is he even talking about like this is this is nonsensical and i don't know if anyone else was able to be like no this is the thing he was talking about but i was just like why are you what are you talking about (laughs) So, so I think my understanding of what he's saying is that, so there's like the levels of demons, right? Like imps are the babies and the nobles are like the granddaddies uh-huh. or grandmums. And um, <laughs> then there are things like speech where it's inverted from what humans are because demons are, you know, opposites and bad and stuff. So like imps, because imps are like babies, they can they talk because can- babies can't talk. And similarly, okay. nobles are like really old people who start to lose their ability to talk, so the nobles get it back. Whereas if you're in the middle when humans can talk, you can't because so it's like they're always their ability to talk is kind of the opposite of where they map to in a human lifespan. Okay. So why can Barbatorum run? <laughs> I mean, well, I, I guess it doesn't apply to everything. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. But okay, and, now that it, makes more sense. Yeah, like, you know, but, like, that's why Barbatorum, I guess, can't talk, despite the fact that, you know, I think his body is described as being, like, you know, pretty adult and ripped. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know why. I always assume Barbatorum was hot. Like, horse, horse head aside. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But, like, I assume he was, like, he had, like, you know, a body that I would consider goals, head aside. Yeah, I mean, in the circle, wasn't he described as kind of like a dumpy old man? But then I guess that was in the circle. Yeah. Okay. Ma- yeah. Maybe I'm just wrong. I just assume no, he's shredded. Like, he no, I do gym. picture him as shredded when he's running around with the horse head. Yeah. Um. Good on him. <laughs> well, if you're, you know, if you're bound for that long, you got to entertain yourself yeah. some way. <laughs> it's like how people get ripped in prison, right? Like, right. <laughs> he started as a, as like a kind of dumpy floppy body when Rose bound him, but he got jacked in, in the seal. <laughs> yes oh that's great um some of the stuff didn't line up in terms of them being like you'll be lucky to die but then man says you'll learn quickly or you'll die and that felt yeah inaccurate like or something because presumably if it was really awful people would just let themselves die or something I, I that's know. what i was thinking yeah it's like if death is kind of really an option you have to assume people be like, "Oh, whoops! Like, <laughs> I I spilt 
bad juice everywhere. Best, guess I'm dead. Um, I wonder if like die in the sense of like if you don't learn quickly, you'll die. Is more like you know you'll serve you'll the rest fucked. of your term in Hamburg House or something like you know, right, we'll just, right. We'll permanently loan you to Hamburg House or something, and they get you for five hundred and seventy. Right. Well, this was just one of the moments where I started to kind of like doubt and question what these people were saying. Cause like, again, mm. like we see, I think that demons aren't bound to the seal and being bound to the seal helps give your words weight. Um, but maybe there's still something in telling the truth that helps with the practice and spirits and whatever, which is still useful. But like Ms. Lewis to be and Mr. Man like totally contradict each other um in a way that like raised my hackles I guess just made me kind of like ah like why are you gainsaying him so hard or whatever like it just because and this and this instance of you'll learn quickly or you'll die felt like another weird instance of like is this can are they just more loose with their words here or mm in terms of like exaggeration or scaring people or are they something because like he's uh mr man had said that mr mahoon was going easy on him and ms lewis to be definitively says no he wasn't going easy on you and yeah based on what we understand in the other verse like one of them is right and the other <laughs> one is gainsaid or whatever and so it's i don't know it's feeling I don't know if it's important or if it's just like a detail about them that Wildbow knows and is portraying, but won't actually matter to the story. But it feels like there's something weird happening. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's probably uh, like, and I'm just speculating here, like interesting relationships between practitioners under the lawyer's domain and like their interaction with karma mm-hmm. and with gainsaying. Because, yeah, like as you say, it probably how much they're still attached to the seal probably gets really bloody murky murky now that they essentially seemingly work for demons or whatever like maybe being gainsaid isn't a problem in the same way or who knows mm-hmm. i mean miss lewis is shown to be you know the next in line she's trying to climb the ladder maybe she's just like a heartless corporate exec who you know stabs her stabs her boss in the back to try and move up the ladder yeah but then like does that mean mahoon wasn't going easy or is it part of like saying things definitively makes the spirits kind of take your side yeah. more? I just it's well, yeah. Because I think her point, as I understood it, is almost more like Mah- I think Man is talking about like Mahoon was going easy on this guy like when they were in the kitchen, but then Miss Lewis implies that he wasn't going easy on him when he let him sign up with the lawyers because this is part of mm-hmm. her speech of like, oh, this is worse. Like you think you think this was better than being with Mahoon? Like you're wrong. So like maybe. They're both right. They were just talking about like different, different phases. And it's things. like Ms. Lewis's point is it's like when Mahoon let you call the lawyers, that's when he was no longer going easy on you. Sure. That's interesting. Yeah, because cause that moment where he calls the, for the lawyers, like, I mean, you know immediately, like, oh, he's taking, like, he's going to join. Um, But Mahoon goes from smiling to like no longer smiling. And yeah. so, I mean, that he's a demon. So it's probably like impossible to interpret accurately in that moment it feels like he was like oh fuck like yeah they're taking my toy away or whatever like i can't fuck with them but maybe that's the trick like me mm-hmm. like because i i definitely fell for that right. like, there's a moment 
when I was reading the chapter and the guy calls men Levin and Lewis, I was like, and, and he, Mahoon stopped smiling. I was like, he's done it. This is a victory. Like, <laughs> this guy can't but cross the lawyers. We've done it. And then, yeah, like the, later on, the chapter is telling us it's like, no, actually, he lost even harder when he called the lawyers. Um, so maybe, like, maybe that was a subtle play by Mahoon to get this guy to go with the lawyers. To keep, yeah, calling them. Yeah. Because he had only said their name once. Um, I mean, or it was just like, you know, Mahoon isn't personally fucking with this guy anymore. So maybe that was yeah. a little bit of a bummer. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, But yeah, she does say immediately after he he wasn't going easy on you that you've jumped from the frying pan to the, frying pan to the fire. So I think that's a good interpretation of um that. It's also funny that like, I feel like man made it seem more like the 500 whatever years would be a long time. You know, you won't get to die for a long, long time. And Ms. Lewis is like, 570? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, why are you even here? Why didn't you just, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> Are you even going to get vacation days? Like, <laughs> Right, like, you're not even long enough to, to yeah. earn any PTO. Like, what are you doing? Why are you here? <laughs> yeah, is um, this some new internship program that I didn't know about? Right. And the... You know, you could have paid off that karmic death in a lifetime, not if I died. And she's like, bitch, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> And that makes me wonder, like, is it just that, you know, when man showed up, he was like, he's not permitted to die right now or whatever. And I wasn't mm. sure if that's just a like, he's called me, so he's good for the next 30 minutes. Or if that's like I, a diabolist thing. I assumed Mahoon wasn't going to let him go that easy. I, actually, I assumed oh. that was a, a Mahoon thing. Like in the same way when the barber cut off alistair's hand but it didn't mm-hmm. like bleed because you know the barber doesn't want his victims bleeding um mm. i assume mahoon has similar capabilities so it's like he can chop off your legs and you can bleed everywhere but you're not gonna die because then what's mahoon gonna play with right but i mean it could be any of the above <laughs> there's so many so many forces in play here that could be stopping this guy from dying right um but yeah it made me wonder like what was he supposed to do other than join the firm i guess possibly like get in but like how do you pay off the karmic debt other than like suddenly becoming a nicer person like (laughs) yeah be really nice to mahoon as he tortures you to death yeah um yeah i think this guy's right he probably couldn't have paid off his karmic debt but i guess miss lewis's point would probably be that you're you're probably better off dying with that bad karma than spending this time at the firm (sighs) Um, (laughs) it's not yeah I was, and I've, you know, I've just been reading 24.a of Pale, which also includes a character who I don't think makes the best decisions. <laughs> but this guy's got him beat. <laughs> yeah, as bad as the um, St. Victor's kids have it in terms of like what they've gotten themselves wrapped up in, like it could have been worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you think Charles has them reading this chapter before bed? Just like make, you know. Remind them that, you know, his side's pretty good, actually. I'm not the worst. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, the Abyss, come on. The Abyss <laughs> doesn't even like these guys. Can't handle. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay, so our nameless POV uh, teams up with Mrs. Lewis to go visit one of their clients. It's Granny Rose, and she <laughs> is, I mean, just kind of an asshole. To, to put it simply, um, but in a fun way. It's very fun when her assholery is pointed at these idiots. Um, and, yeah, she grills uh, our new 
intern guy for some information and then because he's useless, he doesn't have any, so she gives him some information instead, which is, don't trust Miss Lewis, she's crazy. (laughs) But also not, which is part of how horrifying she is. (laughs) She was like that when she got here, yeah. Uh, I... I love Grandma Rose so much. <laughs> <laughs> I clamor for Grandma Rose uh, examples. Um, and she she's just so fun. I think that one of the reasons she liked Ambrose so much, I mean, potentially, is, you know, Blake in the first chapter greets her by just, like, insulting her to her face. Mm. And... You know, she does that to this guy like several times in this or whatever. She's like, "You <laughs> stupid little man," and it's just like, "Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, good point." I love that. Like, I would like talking to someone like this in real life or whatever, but it's it's weirdly refreshing and like fun and just like really reminds me of Blake. Um, in uh, that, yeah, I, I love not that. afraid <laughs> to say the thing, <laughs> <laughs> but like not like Blake in a scary old lady way i don't know mm. but yeah the moment they say rose bushes like the moment they say old lady you're like uh and they say rose bushes and you're like yeah. ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i know it's like i love i love how this universe there's just stuff like that it's like yeah okay cool this is rose it's covered in rose bushes she would yep she's the best <laughs> um it's interesting that they're like you know this you know she's never joining us but also maybe um is the fun little hook that they can like maybe 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 get this woman or her grandchildren yeah um and miss lewis to be says she has five lifetimes of karmic debt um which is way more than 570 years apparently per lifetime and i thought that in the letter to blake and rose at in arc one she said there's seven lifetimes like decrease it by at least one and so do not remember that detail but yeah could be i'm gonna double check because i i think it was something like that maybe and i'm like she she added two extra lifetimes i mean she did use barbatorum on her own grandkid that's gotta be (laughs) that's gotta be one of them yeah Like, I'm not a karma expert. I, I defer to Lucy on this, but like that seems like a shit move. Yeah, yeah. Um, that does make it pretty funny that her letter was all like, "You have to decrease the family karma." And it's like, lady, you added two at least. Like, <laughs> you, you hypocrite. Did this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Yeah. Sorry. I just wanted to see if I could. Oh, Laird. I've just had a quick search and I cannot find it. But it was a brief search. I I think it's in 1.3. I think I'm almost at it. Uh, well, yeah, the, the letter just says less of a debt. I don't know why. I think they have seven years or seven lifetimes, but. I, I'm willing it, to believe it. I, I, I don't remember where that number came from, but like the idea that between now and her death, Granny Rose accumulated some more, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's far from impossible. Uh, she's, yeah, I love her. <laughs> Oh, so I, I love how, as you mentioned, we set up these stakes where Miss Lewis is like, okay, now we really want, like, you can't stuff things up with this woman because it's pretty unlikely, but we really, 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 really want her in the firm. So I do whatever. And then Grandma Rose just comes out the gate wielding that energy, energy against them. And she's like, 
you go into the library. I'm going to grill this dude because if you don't, I'll be upset. And uh, <laughs> so I have that over you. So I'm the client from hell. Like she's a full Karen here and you'll love it. <laughs> right. It's so, I mean, she doesn't even have to like. Pretend. I mean, yeah. I was going to say lie, but practitioner, but also, yeah, she's just straight up like, I'm going <laughs> to harass this man. Um, it's fun that she's like, I'll give you some advice in exchange. That kind of reminded me of like the witch or whatever and keeping things balanced. Mm. Um, weirdly, like a karmic consideration. Um, and it, it also seems like the book that Ms. Lewis brings might be Black Lamb's Blood. Yeah. Um, which made me kind of excited. Um, but yeah. And then we get Grandma Rose being like, don't be fooled by that woman. You think she's nice? Like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> she's not crazy, which means... Like, she was able to deal with all the horrible shit that she did. Like, she's almost at the top of this firm, which means she's probably, like, awful because she's willing to, like, do shit to get to the top of this firm. Um, and, and, like, <laughs> potentially thousands of years old. Right? Especially because of how, like, dismissive she is of, like, you know, five lifetimes worth of however yeah. many karmic debts or whatever. Yeah, it just makes me wonder, like, who was she and what did she do? The idea that, like, the universe had possibly had to invent something like the black death to cover up what she did is <laughs> fun uh and makes the idea of the black death like more upsetting to think that it's a narrative to cover uh what a diabolist did yeah like yeah like is the story of atlantis about like miss lewis or something you know like... <laughs> and just but yeah even she gets to a point where she joins this firm yeah um and does she regret that? But also, what what were the circumstances where she was like, okay, cool? Because presumably everyone joins this firm because demons or something. Um, or like because the karmic weight is so bad, but it like it's it's not even like being forsworn. No. Um like unless the universe has somehow eased up on Rose or something. Like presumably she has all that karma sitting against her, but like you know, it's nothing like what Griffith or anyone, you know, went through. Like, even, like, Seth, you know, like, she can still watch TV, <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah. Um, And so it seems like to, you know, either you're, like, a cowardly piece of shit, or there's a demon standing there being like, I'm about to eat you. Presumably, yeah. I mean, it is interesting that they don't target Forsworn people. I guess there's probably reasons. Yeah, I wonder if... I mean, so they they want Grandma Rose, I'm assuming, because she is from an established line of practitioners. I mean, she's smart. You know, she's um, she has an established relationship with a lot of demons, it seems like as someone in the firm, she could. I mean, you lose everything, but maybe you you don't lose your mind um, and maybe oh. she would keep some of her clout somehow yeah or they or they'd get her clout or something that's what they, i think they'd get the thorburn name um hmm. which is obviously seemingly like a good perk um uh, mm -hmm. and then also i mean she owns the house and there's been a lot of hubbub about wanting the house the house and the land that the house is on and what's under the land that the house i is know on. like why else does this <laughs> fucking house matter <laughs> I mean, they did say uh, early in the story that it's what's preventing Jacob's Bell from growing, because I think the house is also, like, they own a lot of the swampland or something behind right. 
the house. So like part of the thing was everyone wanted the Thorburns to fuck off so that Jacob's Bell could grow and not just be a lordship, but like a kick-ass lordship that like, you know, is closer to Toronto in strength. Hmm. And so the lawyers could use that to leverage something or something. Yeah, or make another Hamburg house, I guess. <laughs> Sounds bad. <laughs> um, also, the, the line where she says, you're useless to me. Everyone around me is useless. And like, <laughs> it's so funny. And I think it reminds me of, I think in one of her diaries, she was like, my children are useless. And yeah. like, it was like, you made them useless. Yeah, that's like, your fault. Like, <laughs> Like, on so many levels, because first of all, you're the one who said they couldn't be practitioners and that's how they would be useful to you. But also, you're their fucking mom. Like, if if your kids all suck, like, you know, there's a common denominator there, right? Like, You raise them to be shitheads. (laughs) Yeah. Like, in so many ways, that's your fault. (laughs) Yeah, it makes me wonder whether she harbors any sense of love or care for her children, because it seems like... She has created Blake and Rose. She has like done all of these things to try to stop the Thorburn line from continuing as Diabolus. Um, yeah. And so I don't know if that's any sort of like altruism for her descendants or if it's just like a thus the demons will have slightly less of a claim on the world from not having this family. Um, but yeah, or some combo of both of those things. Yeah. But it is a very stubborn willful like this is hard shit that she's doing and that she's done and that she's set up it's complicated it's you know she's having to like train behames to be anti-demon people and she's having to like cut her grandchildren very surgically into small pieces and like (laughs) like we've all been there yeah like make really complicated lists and hide what she's doing but also leave enough of a clue so that maybe someone could figure out after she's dead when she hasn't fucking talked to these people what's up and it's so it and it seems like there's something really good in that um you know like this fucking practitioner like stupid little man would not and could not um she's extraordinary but also she just like is such a bitch yeah she's like the embodiment of tough love like you know it's it's like she, because she's doing things that, you, like as you said, it's like I, I mean, I guess this is good, but like in the in just about the worst possible way, like <laughs> like she's she's heartless in the way that she tries to seem to work for the greater good, right? Which is kind of fun, and it, it's just yeah. things like Blake's bluntness and Rose, you know, where she thinks to herself like I'm such a bitch, and like various things like that that just remind me so much of Grandma Rose, and yeah. it's like. How much of that is you're descended from her and how much of that is, you know, every time I freak out and decide that Blake is actually a piece of Grandma Rose? Like, <laughs> I, I definitely think at the very least you could sort of be like, well, you know, because we know Barbatorum, you know, cut them in this very specific way and was also just wholesale taking some chunks out if it wasn't useful for either half. Uh-huh. So it's like, you know like you know the way grandma rose told him to cut them may have like caused some of those resemblances to occur just because you cut out some bits you know like like you align all the pieces in the right way and then they come out like her maybe she was just you know because i love grandma rose but she thought she was great as great as anybody else could ever think she was like she loved yes. herself 
Um, <laughs> so, like, you know, I doubt it is a coincidence that, you know, her ideal way of cutting these two, th- this child in two created two kids who resemble her in a lot of ways because she certainly thought she was hot shit. That's true. I thought you were going to be like, maybe he cut out all the parts that were old. And I was like, huh? <laughs> oh, oh, and now we're talking. <laughs> no, but yeah. Um, I, yeah. I mean, that would be like, that's a funny idea. Like cut out the oldness of a person like that. That seems like cheating. Doesn't <laughs> I it? I mean, it's like... not worth it. <laughs> but you have to make also sure that. that. I guess the, the, the lawyers know who Blake and Rose are and whatever. And so they probably would have known if she had done that. Yeah. <laughs> Such a shame about Miss Lewis, too. Because she was, like, so cool. <laughs> I know! Why did she... I guess everything she was doing was to increase the chance that they would join the firm. Well, and um, even... Wait, like, there's the bit at the end here. Oh, well, I guess we'll sort of talk about this. So, yeah, we, we cut to the present and Levin, the third name partner, shows up and basically <laughs> chastises Miss Lewis for playing with her food um, <laughs> and implies that this is just her being a sadist. So it's almost like she was just... It's more fun to drag it out. And I guess if you've got potentially thousands of years at the firm, maybe that's just her thing is dragging shit like this out if it's fun. Um, uh-huh. But anyway, uh, she you know she gets kind of reined in a bit. And so she has Murr, Summon, Fell, Callan, and Laird. Yay. <laughs> oh, so, so much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's the way that... Man and Grandma Rose and Levin all talk about Miss Lewis. It's like it's almost like she's like the scariest out of any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess is fun. Um, <laughs> she, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's this part is insane though because I really I thought that the lawyers were like gonna fade out for a bit, but it seems like no, they just show up to be like, let's fight Toronto. I guess. Um. It's just a shame because, like, Miss Lewis was already, like, the hot one in the story. And now it's, like, she's even more attractive because she's, like, (laughs) got a bad streak in her, you know? Because she's, like, a dominatrix now, not just. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, they're just, like, oh, this woman is so fucked up. And that's why she's being, like, at all cool or something. And it's, it's, it's an interesting thing where you're thinking about Rose and her determination to not push things too far in the last bit and to really um, leave the possibility of Miss Lewis open so that the others didn't, you know, come and smack down on whatever. But the, the lawyers are just like, Oh, like, like stop fooling around. Like, like just totally. Yeah. yeah. That seemingly only worked because Miss Lewis is so much of a sadist. She was willing to let it like, right. Yeah. Like drag out this. Yeah. The end of, these people or whatever (laughs) um but yeah so Murr seems to be able to summon dead people (laughs) uh i'm not entirely sure what's it seems like you know fell callan and laird are actually here now or something and presumably going to be forced to fight against these people um and then there's like some more including four utterly black head to toe without features and i didn't have a thought but now my thought is that these are four people eaten by or um Ooh. like four of the knights um because like the 
Fel, Callan, and Laird all have like strong connections to at least one person here. <clears throat> um, and so then to be like, and some other randos feels odd. Um, I guess I'm trying to think. I mean, like Johannes just died. Although Johannes is a weird like uh issue, but like yeah. some other Bahames died, and maybe you know maybe some of them are here as well or whatever. But it's it's because well, yeah, like why this- are these why are these ones black and Right. Like, not fully formed. No, you're right. Uh, and I mean, if anyone could summon people or had eaten, or maybe, like, mostly eaten or whatever, it'd be more demons, so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like, I wonder what, what is Murr's deal? Uh, like, are, are these dudes, are they zombies? Like, what is this? Uh, and also, Good question. My, yeah, yeah. And then my question, thought was, does Fel remember- asking. <laughs> it's the question we're all asking does fell remember blake because that was my question <laughs> i'm it's like because fell was like my favorite character and then <sighs> he, and it's like it's so exciting that he's back but also not like this now he's a, now he's working for the demons like oh man and laird it's so it's so great <laughs> and so awful <laughs> does laird remember blake because if so he's he might have some words to say to him. <gasps> I mean, yeah, my theory about Fel remembering Blake would apply to Laird as well, because, like, you know, they died before he got got. Mm. And so I really want them to. That would make me so happy. I mean, the thing is, like, they're not seeing him here, so they don't really have a reason to talk. But when, you know, Rose says tricks and Fel says, no, I'm sorry. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what he remembers about Toronto and what he thinks about Rose. And then I was like, I just want him to remember Blake. sucks what all like i mean well because it's like who which which of rose's tagalongs do you do you think he'd be less impressed by blake or she's also got conquest sitting in there uh who's uh, fell's other favorite person <laughs> i think fell actually liked blake <laughs> <laughs> by the end <laughs> yeah he probably wouldn't be happy to realize conquest was there yeah uh, although Learning I mean, that nobody should be, to be fair. like He's not the lord anymore, and, you know, that's exciting. He, he got to be lord of Jacob's Bell for a minute, sort of. <laughs> yeah, have they officially given that up yet? It seems like they're still, sort of. I think so. Okay, that's I funny. Know. I guess we'll see in the next chapter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, unless there's anything else, that's, uh, that's 15.x. Yeah. <laughs> Fun times in Jacob's Bell. Yeah, I mean, the funnier thing was that, like, the two recent Pale chapters have been way more depressing. Um, <laughs> yeah. This one's just, like, upsetting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's sort of the difference between these stories in a bit of a nutshell. Like, Pale is a real, <laughs> like, you know, hits you very hard and complexly, like, emotionally and stuff, whereas Pack uh-huh. just sort of, you know, gives you a bit of a slap on the head and it's like, just ah. like, suffer. <laughs> yeah, but in a hype way. Oh, yeah. You're hyped to suffer. Pale, you're like, no. <laughs> well, it's like, because, like, it, it is funny, like, ha- having been revisiting the story the last few weeks of these episodes with you, I'd forgotten how much, like, like, Pale, you finish your chapter, and you're often kind of hyped for the next one, but you also enjoy, like, sitting back and processing what you've just experienced and really, like, thinking on it and thinking about the story, whereas, like, Pack, you finish your chapter, and you're just like, all I want in the world is to hit the next chapter button. <laughs> like, I cannot stop here. It's like, yeah, like Pale I, encourages you to digest it. Pact is just like, keep going, keep going. 
Yeah, I am really grateful for doing it this way. I mean, it'd be fun to have just read it all really fast, but I I have gotten way more out of the story than I would have um because like I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I would have just like flown through this and been like, "Oh, they can't Every- lie." Weird. Like I yeah, know, like- missed everything. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh um, okay, but yeah, I guess so this is the end of, of the arc, so should we talk a bit about what possession means? Yeah, so I copied and pasted paste, pasted my notes from the beginning of the arc, so that's what all this text is, uh, and as okay. a reminder, um, a couple of definitions of possession are the state of having, owning, or controlling something, an item of property, uh, territory, or country controlled or governed by another, um... Oh, and there was a lot of that in this arc. Like, obviously, you know, we got we got the lordship finally for a little bit, right? Um, um, and then like the state of being controlled by a demon or spirit. Um, I think we hit like all of this. This is kind of yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. So having owning or controlling something. Uh, this um interlude, we talk a little bit about like um Fisher. Um, yeah. The yeah the idea that you give everything to us. Uh. His 570-ish years was, like, all he had. Um, yeah. The, yeah. And then item of property, a possession, I guess that's just, like, stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there was a, a, a lot of this story has been about various people wanting the Thorburn house. So, like, uh-huh. you know, fighting over the possession of that has been something that's been going on, the, the lawyers included. Um, but I guess the Abyss finally won that that auction. Um, because the the abyss certainly took possession of uh the, the house. house. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, tried to take possession of Blake, but uh Rose diverted that into a different kind of possession. Possession. Yeah. So Faisal possessed Johannes. Uh, Barbatorum possessed Johannes. Blake possessed Rose. Conquest possessed Rose. <laughs> uh, possession all over the shop in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Evan the, volunteered the, to, to possess Rose. <laughs> the the guys, um, the stupid little man's that's his name now. <laughs> the stupid little man's I brother love that that's and your name for him. <laughs> <laughs> brother and little cousin and mom were yep. possessed by demons eventually. Uh that's what I got from that. They like opened the books and let them in or something. Yeah. Um, okay, this one might be a stretch, but Blake got all of his stuff back when the Abyss was trying to offer him. I, I the, yeah, I did think of that. The locket and the sword, yeah. his possessions. Um, and then yeah, they they gain Jacob's Bell as a possession <laughs> or whatever. But they gave it back, and then they gave it back. <laughs> wow, this arc was chock full of possession. This is the like. Or one of the craziest arcs in Pact because it's just like, like it's crazy that this was only eight chapters and that was all of the library Blake being possessed by Rose like this talk with the lawyers like each of those could have been their own arc if if you wanted oh, yeah. to oh yeah yeah Johannes um yeah Barbatorum yeah. in and out just oh there were implications Johannes gave possession of his domain to uh Dionysus. Sorry, Jeremy. Did I say Johannes? I meant Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. Sandra's husband. Right. The I'm trying to think if Kathy has anything to do with possession. I mean, Kathy's just sad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kathy doesn't matter anymore. 
Even more expendable than Ellie. Uh, but yeah, this is a great arc. This was, yeah, I'm I'm excited to looking or to when I look back on this story um, and try to figure out what like my favorite most standout arcs were. But this one, this one was great. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really captures the balls to the wall, crazy high adrenaline <laughs> energy of Pact really well. You know, like this is, <laughs> this is an uh, this is an arc that does not relent. And I think part of it is the. I mean, yeah, the twists are so like insane, and how how well it relates to the arc title is so satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, the lawyers, the demon, yeah, and big big character moments too, like like and like, Rose. like Blake and Rose, yeah. have a bunch of big moments, like yeah, yeah. really good ships. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, we were talking about this a little bit on the Discord, but like, what is going on with the Baham and Thorburn <laughs> families? Because like we've got Rose and Alistair, and that's not a what, what did Blake say? Not a pairing of love yet, but like you know, uh, uh, then we've it's, got Ainsley yeah. and Peter, who we we all obviously ship crazy hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but that like Grandma Rose also had a thing with Eamon. yeah, Eamon, thank you, yes. Um, and you know, like she she worked with Laird and Alistair. Like this is like Connor and Kelsey's family. Like you know, <laughs> someone needs to keep these two apart. Like the the entire family. It's crazy. Um, I'm also started listening to Deep Impact again, and I'm on, um, Arc 11, and so that's, you know, when we meet Alistair, and the Bahames are, you know, like, fighting, and they're just, like, around, and every time they're mentioned, she's like, fucking Bahames, and now I'm like, Bahames! Like, it's such a funny... It, um, it turns out when Thorburns say fucking Bahames, they didn't mean it as an insult, it was a suggestion. <laughs> yep. But yeah, just it it just feels like I mean because I, I know chronomancers are generally like pretty boring, but like are you that desperate for excitement in your lives? Like just <laughs> there's probably no better sp- options than the demon family. Yeah, but there's got to be. <laughs> um. Uh. Anyway, okay. So there's a there is a a little heading here in the doc that just says where is this going? And I don't know if this is separate from the Bolden specific prediction or yeah. Well, kind of. Just trying to orient where we are where we're going so i so last chapter i thought we were going to the abyss again and we're probably maybe still going down to the abyss but first we gotta fight our beloved departed um <laughs> our dear lead whatever they are well not uh, anymore <laughs> yeah uh it seems like we're gonna have to deal with this situation i mean unless it's just like fuck we're running into the abyss again to get away but that seems stupid <laughs> Yeah, and well, and remember, like we've seen Miss Lewis in the Abyss before. Um, Wait, she's fine. (laughs) Yeah, and because she had that sort of otherworldly thing that Man had going in this chapter, because that was the one that was actually where Blake tried to sign up for the firm, and she was like, "No, we don't want you anymore." Right. Um, Like he finally gave in and broke and said yes, and they're like, "No." That was awful. Yeah. Um, Like even this guy got the okay, but they didn't even want Blake. Like, (laughs) ouch. Um, Yeah. But yeah, so like the abyss isn't an ideal hiding spot, I don't think, no. because we've seen them get in there. Yeah, but I mean, it, so like Toronto's here. It sounded like we were going to try to deal with the face-all situation, but now we got to first we got to fight. I mean, stuff moves so fast in Pact that it's like we'll probably <laughs> deal with this situation in the next two chapters tops and be you know in the abyss or in Toronto <laughs> or like somewhere like. 
Yet trying to predict where Pact will be in five chapters is a bit of a fool's game. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that hasn't let either of us stop trying. But, yeah. It just seems like there's got to be a path that we're following. <laughs> but, yeah. And, I mean, at some point, it does seem like the 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 seventh choir the choir of unrest keeps getting mentioned and i don't know if that's it i don't know if that's fun like while though exploring the idea of like kind of the weird like you know the most eccentric choir because it it did seem like earlier in the story like the choir of darkness was really harped on with ur and mm. uh grandma rose's uh speculations on the universe or whatever um but then it almost like it's been harped on so much in the past like couple of chapters that like maybe the choir of unrest is gonna have something to do with the resolution of the story like we have an arc left which is insane like what are we doing <laughs> what how are we resolving this i don't <laughs> oh i'm having flashbacks to our 15.x episode listening to this <laughs> what are we doing yeah i i do blame arc 16 in part for me constantly thinking pale could wrap up in an arc because <laughs> you know like you're sitting here at the end of 15 years, it's like, how is this all done in an arc, you know? It apparently is. <laughs> I haven't heard anything, I don't think, about the ending of Pact, which I'm, like, grateful about in terms of, you know, is it satisfying? Is it depressing? Is it, you know, triumphant? Is it, like, bittersweet? I, I don't know, which is kind of nice. Mm. I mean, I don't see it being like, yeah, we, we all got fixed, but... Yeah. Well, and you know the world doesn't end, because there's pale. I yeah, guess. yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but is jacob's bell a knotted place like we just don't know yeah well do we ever see mags again we just don't know like probably right does anyone get fucking Jelana Duchamp at the <laughs> goddamn fairy house i don't know <laughs> i'm so upset <sighs> also yeah uh well no you know what i will say nothing <laughs> um cool well i guess i guess this brings us to the pale in comparison section uh mm -hmm. are there any specific comparisons to pale that you want to call out um i feel like we've been calling out some good ones but one that i yeah sort of saved because i had written it down here was just that grandma rose reminds me of rook like they have similar like old lady don't give a shit vibes <laughs> um and i thought I that was that. fun yeah yeah. In a way, she's just, like, not holding anything back, talking to the guy. <laughs> it felt kind of like Rook. Yeah, I, I love that. They do have that same, I'm too old to give a fuck vibe, <laughs> don't they? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't care what you think about me. I've got my worldview. <laughs> Deal with it. Um, yeah, I, I also just wanted to call out, I thought, I thought it was fun to consider how the lawyer's offer compares to what Charles offered, like, the Forsworn, like, you know, his band of stupid little men like Seth and Griffin and Yeun, um, those are the three who are all very similar. Um, you know, just because obviously, I think as you said, being forsworn is is kind of this fate worse than death sort of situation, and I think there's some interesting comparisons to be drawn between what what Charles offers versus what the lawyers do. Yeah, I mean, I guess part of it is supposedly Charles will let you go. You know, he like yeah. says, hey, want to join my super cool club? But if you're like, nah, thanks for unforced wearing me, though. He's like, OK, bye, hmm. which is very much not. <laughs> yeah. The demons don't have that out. Right. 
Um, and even with all the other shit Yoon swore, she is still not in that situation anymore. Um, yeah. Which is nice. I mean, yeah, that's definitely one of the big perks. And I do think, as much as we hate Charles right now in Pale, I do think working for Charles is probably better both from a how you how your life goes and also even morally than working for the demon lawyers. Oh yeah. <laughs> like like I don't, if I had if I had to like pick someone out of a demon warrior or like Helen, I'm probably still going to pick Helen. Yeah. God, that's also, sad to say. <laughs> well, the way the insinuations around this chapter are that like your life only gets worse when yeah. You take the lawyer's deal. But, like, their lives have all gotten a lot better taking Charles's deal. Um, well, I mean, yes, that's well, they're not forsworn, so yes. Right, I mean, like, like Griffin is, like, horrifyingly traumatized and needs a lot of therapy. Yeah. But he's also not experiencing all the, like, stuff in the forest anymore. Um, yeah, good and point. And so I think that his life has gotten better, even if it's not good. <laughs> Yeah, like I think, you know, he's making people like Teddy or even Kira Lynn's lives actively worse. But oh, for totally. the Forsworn. Yeah. Um, it's like he's not fixing them perfectly, no. but it's a net result. It reminds me of what Bristow used to do with his aware, right? Like Br- Bristow's mm. aware were better than they would be in the wild, but he wasn't investing too much in actually fixing them because he still wanted them to be useful to his collection. Right. He wanted them to be trapped. Yeah. And re- reliant on him. But. But there had to be something beneficial out of the arrangement that would make it yeah. worth it for them to stick around. Charles really has just taken the worst parts of Alexander, Bristow, <laughs> and Mossa, and hasn't he? Yeah. An idiot. Um, cool. Well, bold and, sp- bold and specific prediction time, Malia. We're heading into the final arc. You know, there's only there's only a few chapters left. You, you've got to have a complete picture of where we're going from here. So hit us with <laughs> the most boldest and the most specificest predictions. I have one that I don't actually believe um but would be interesting uh which is that Faisal is not an angel of the seventh choir he's a demon of the seventh choir um Ooh. doesn't make sense in terms of having seen his interlude <laughs> and how he pontificates about creating the rivers and the shit but it feels like something is up with the choir of unrest um I will say one of the first others we heard about in this whole story were Eva and Andy talking about fairy who were so good at convincing themselves they were vampires, they started to believe it themselves. That's true. He also is convincing other people. I mean, maybe. I say, uh, like, that sort of self delu- well, that sort of delusion probably starts with yourself, I guess, is, is all I'm saying. <laughs> true. Um, what's another? I'm just like, Mags is out there, Sandra's out there, uh... The rocket launcher's out there. <laughs> There's, um, I mean, Blake is not out there. Do you have any <laughs> thoughts on, on, uh, what's going to happen to old, old little wing boy? I guess, well, I don't know. Very fair. Like, part of me is like, <clears throat> I mean, this, this isn't a good prediction at all because it's everything basically, but either he's going to get out of Rose or they're going to like fuse kind of more or they're both going to die, uh, <laughs> having failed that. So that's not a great prediction. Um, Alistair's hand is gone. Green Eyes is pissed. Is, was Green Eyes around in the last chapter? She must have been. Yeah, I think, but like, we're in Rose's head for most of that chapter. So it was like, she just doesn't care. Um, but I think she tells Green Eyes and Evan to get ready and then doesn't really think about them again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Um, Laird. God, more people will die in this story. <laughs> uh, I don't feel like that's particularly bold <laughs> as a prediction. I'm, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be so Grandma Rose blonde. It's also uh, not very specific. Um, that's that too. But I, I think the boldness is the bigger problem. With some people will die. Impact. <laughs> okay. Um, face all will end up having to restore some things and like work against the demons without letting them like in the in the short term. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So like he can't he's gonna have to work against the, the lawyers now. Yeah. Is, is and like yeah. Well, because I've been thinking about Jacob's Bell and like does it become a knotted place? And I think the thing that makes me think that it doesn't is Ainsley or who we think is Ainsley um Ms. Vahem when she's talking to whoever in Ottawa uh and she gets and the and the lords Charles's lords and how they're fucking everything up or whatever and she gets like freaked out about her hometown and they're like no don't like it's fine don't worry about it or something so that's yeah. what makes me think that it ends up okay um which makes me think that like something has to step in and whether I mean Isadora's pretty cool and powerful but face all it makes the most sense in terms of counteracting demons i guess yeah yeah fantastic sorry i just uh, we should talk about like um because i don't know that we're going to have time to do a back to pack time reflections but obviously uh, have you've read 24.a uh-huh so uh, with that that was presumably ainsley again uh dropping dropping percy 2.0 on on charles that was so lovely I especially love the chronomancy flex, like knowing how that works from from Pact. I love the idea that she's just gonna turn, like you just turn Percival on, and then you sit there and you bank that time, baby. Like you've got days. Like, yeah, yeah. Made me wonder what the quality of that time would be, but it can't be high. (laughs) But it's still time. Um. Yeah. Well. And like Charles's, maybe like the stakes of the meeting and Charles's, mm. what I presume is just unfettered rage at this situation. Maybe that gives it a bit of a boost in quality. That's true. It but is yeah, very also, important. Yeah. It's just either way, even if it's not high quality time, it's still, I mean, you got to skip that time. <laughs> you, you can't, you can't suffer through that. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was just so like, I mean, because we got a, like, oh, Ottawa, cool, like, they were awesome and they helped out, and also a fun, like, oh, Ainsley, maybe. And this <laughs> is just, like, a, like, yes, like, absolutely. There was yeah. also a brief mention of the Duchamps again. Um, right, yeah. We were reminded that Charles helped them take Toronto. Fucking idiot. Like, because <laughs> that was what Mossa made that deal with them, and then apparently <clears throat> Charles just made the same, like... Oh. Which is also just so funny. Um, I wonder I mean like where's Sandra? Where's Jeremy? Are they alive? Are they involved? Like so funny. Yeah. Good for them, I guess. I don't know. Fucking Duchamps. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Okay. Well I should we should we head on to our discussion question from last week? Yes. Uh, yeah, so uh, I mean, I, I I love this question. I'm I'm uh, sad that there's such a small window between us releasing the last episode and having to record this one because it's it's been short. But uh, right, so Jenny- yeah, sorry for anyone who um we didn't 
get to talk about your question, it's probably just because you haven't posted it yet. Yeah. So the schedule, our schedules are getting uh, not so free. So we're recording this one quite soon after <laughs> mm-hmm. the last episode. Um, but yeah, so we, uh, you know, and I think it was Jenny who asked which mm-hmm. demonic, demonic choir best represents your country. Yes. Um, so Erlig started out um, saying that they're from Norway. Um, so the seventh choir unrest um, in part because of their a big oil and energy supplier also renewable energy so gotta gotta keep things going um i love the call out that they're like kind of selling the rest of the world poison through the oil um but then also they sell the renewable energy so you also get a partial like, you know they're they're playing both sides yeah that is a fun um demonic resonance i suppose mm. uh and then also identified darkness for i'm presuming winter um but also sometimes the antithesis of darkness because the sun doesn't set. Yeah, which like I actually think, um, and I think I commented this in in the thread too. I actually think that might suit the fourth choir, which is madness, because that's the choir that was like like the the fourth day is when God made like the moon and the stars, and there's a lot of stuff there about like like you know star maps and stuff for how you travel and you track time using moon phases and and you know, obviously the day and night cycle as well. So, like, the fourth choir, I think, is called out as messing with, like, fate and your understanding of time and stuff. And so, like, right. living in a place where the sun doesn't set for months, to me, feels like fourth choir madness sort of stuff would happen to me. Yeah. So, good good on you, Norway, with your fourth <laughs> and first and seventh choirs. Just mix them all up in there. <laughs> um. We did get we we had Spinagon as well, who's apparently from Russia, and agreed with what you said uh, about that being potentially darkness. Woo! Although maybe also your interpretation of the fourth choir makes sense too. Yeah, I guess yeah. It <clears> depends <throat> on what what part of what part of because Russia's so big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's an interesting thing too. Not just in darkness in terms of winter, but darkness in terms of like the vast expanses of like yeah. Yeah, like um, empty, empty regions. Right. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then we also got an answer from Stuck in Reddit Factory, who's an Australian. Yeah. And uh, didn't agree with pitched- you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They 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 disagree, but I like their answer. And they've well, they've given two answers. Um, one for the country of Australia, and then one for the country, um, which they've left it to me to explain the difference. <laughs> um. Which feels like this is a bit of an allyship pop quiz because I believe they're using the term country as it's generally used in the context of Indigenous Australian peoples. Um, huh. So we'll, I'll do I'll do the like the countries and the nation of Australia first because that's the easy, easy one. Um, but they went with the seventh choir just because it's like the newest or we're one of the newest countries. Like you know, uh, Australia is what 122 years old. It was 1901 that we became a thing. Um, Oh wow! Like you know, we did our hundredth. the The nation's hundredth birthday was like a thing when I was at school, and we all got little coins. Cool. Um. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, so we're we're kind of new, but then also because of Australia's allies, we tend to have a lot more political influence around the world than we probably deserve to. Um. Because we're kind of working with and exploiting powers that already exist. Um. And then also, climate change feels very seventh choir and. Uh, 
as Stuck in Reddit Factory points out, Australia is not helping with the climate change. <laughs> and then, so what is country in the indigenous people sense? <laughs> yeah, uh, so I think that's what we're referring to. And I obviously, I just want to preface this with saying I am not an indigenous Australian and I'm going to do my best to explain this, but apologies if it's not quite right. Um, so my understanding is like when you get like a welcome to country or something from from an indigenous person i've been my understanding of that is like the country doesn't just apply to like say the the land but like also you know the the plants the animals and hmm. the history and the peoples of the place it's kind of like like the, the, there's not a distinction between just the the land as like a property developer might view it and the flora the fauna and the people and yeah like the the historical like you know the People who died on a land in previous generations are just as much a part of the country as people who are visiting it for the first time, or more so than people visiting it for the first time. Red. Um, so, like, yeah, I, I think like the comparison I'd make is like calling, or referring to like the land in terms of just as like a Westerner would, where we just consider it like a boundary and like the physical land would almost be like talking about a person as just a, a brain. Like, hmm. yes you know, the brain is where all the thoughts are or whatever, but there's no point having a brain unless you've got like a body and a face and a mouth to for that brain to do things with. And it's like the land is the whole human body, not just the brain. Anyway, so um, then, yeah, Stuck in Reddit Factory kind of goes from there to talk about how like ruin and madness are probably the ones if you're talking about like Australia or Australian country, just because um, part of like, God, I feel like I'm, the least qualified person to be introducing these concepts but there's like uh the philosophy slash mythology of dreaming which is what like most indigenous australian tribes used um has all this stuff about like the origins of the world as well as what it still is there's like there's not really a distinction between creation myths and the present day in Hmm. to dreaming they use the term every when to describe the dreaming because it's not in the past it's not in the present it's not in the future it, it just is anyway um there's lots of stuff there about like how the world formed and it was just kind of like deities emerging from the earth shaping it for life putting the life there and then sort of returning to the earth and that's the sort of st- <laughs> that's the sort of stuff that uh, stuck in Reddit factory talks about where like you know um during this this period when the earth was being created there was the development of species of of patterns fates were decided like it was in these early dreaming times that like uh the rules of like social order were decided so it was like the way that the deities interacted was kind of what determined what was and wasn't the right thing to do um the second reddit factory specifically calls out the prometheus legend as a comparison which i think is a good one like you know prometheus gave humans fire and was punished for it and there's a lot of that sort of stuff um in in dream legends um and yeah, everyone could shapeshift back then too. So everything was a lot more fluid. It's very like choir of, of ruin. Like this was the the structure was kind of being built um, out of out of chaos, I guess. Hmm. And anyway, then yeah, the the way dreaming works is it's kind of like an oral history that's passed down so that the indigenous peoples can uphold the values that those ancestral spirits set in place. Um, but it's so it's kind of timeless. Like you know some some dream stories go back like 80,000 years or something. Um, so I think that's where Stuck in Reddit Factory is pulling madness in from, um, that sort of timeless aspect to dreaming stories. 
That is I, super I hope cool. That was right. Yeah. Um, indigenous I dreaming it, stuff. Yeah, I hold you to it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Indigenous dreaming stuff is really cool, and I, I, it, it's a shame that it's more. It, it doesn't get more attention globally because I think it is. It's just it's often misrepresented, though. I think is the problem, and it's why indigenous people here can be quite protective of it now. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, like it was called Dream Time for when mm. I was growing up, at least, and then they've changed it to the Dreaming because. Dream time was a bad name for it because it's not meant to be a different time. It it is mm-hmm. now as well. And I think even dreaming is considered a bad translation as well because like it's not like this is a separate plane or like the, you know it's not in dreams. It's just I think the consensus is that the term dreaming is as close as English is going to get. That's really cool, and I'm. This makes me grateful that we used the word country because I was almost thinking like you know people you know it doesn't have to be your country. You can talk about your town or you know like whatever but i was kind of like ah country is easy let's just leave it and (laughs) apparently that led to being able to talk about this whole other idea of country that i didn't know about and like yeah this and what you were talking about with um norway and various things makes me want to learn a lot more about the fourth choir because like time and fate and yeah uh are just really interesting yeah oh i think the fourth choir like i would also assume that the uh, the concept of cause and then effect is the fourth choir's domain. So you could probably get like fourth choir mm-hmm. demons who disrupt the idea of cause and effect. So maybe wow. effect creates cause or something, which is like you could do some mind bending stuff with the fourth choir. I reckon. I did I did post a little thing in that thread on how I think the choirs work, which you know as, asterisks there because I, I don't think I have the best grasp on it. But if that helps people answer this, cool. Yeah. Um. But anyway. Uh, it probably time to decide a new discussion question. You have here holiday time, though. Does that mean a holiday for everyone? Yeah, I don't. I didn't know if you wanted to run a discussion question because I know you're. You guys are about to go on hiatus for a, for a chunk of time. Um, I just have this so thing where if- in the first episode, Jenny was like, "Oh, we'll run one. Sometimes we won't run one all the time, and we've literally always had one." And so I'm, I'm like, "We must." <laughs> preaching to the choir there. Yeah. Um, but well, we yeah, do- I don't know if yeah. you want. If you want to do something different, like, I don't know if there's a spin you can put on it because it's going to potentially be a, a one that's sitting there for a while. Yeah. I, mean, I don't I, know if you know this, Millie, you've got a wedding and then a honeymoon <laughs> coming up. I figure people can <laughs> just sort of post it when they post it and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I said that in like a couple weeks. <laughs> um, But we could do one about, I was thinking vows could be kind of fun in terms of like a wedding. Oh, yeah. Sort of thing. Or we could do something about about holidays. Uh, I, I skimmed through our notes in the chapter again, and I'm like, this is just a, this is an upsetting chapter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, zombies, who would you want to come back from the dead to fight you? Like, <laughs> What would it take for you to join the lawyers? Like, <laughs> we thought people weren't keen to get Blake's Abyssal Gatekeeper job. <laughs> um, But yeah, do you have ideas, vows, or uh, holidays? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't, <laughs> who's your favorite? uh other verse couple um oh that could be fun i don't know if we've talked about that um just because as you said there's been a lot there was a lot of shipping uh potential in this arc like obviously the correct answer to that discussion question would be Faisal and miss lewis <laughs> um but there are other contenders you've got you know ainsley and peter and then and pale you've got you know connor and kelsey mm-hmm. kira lynn and teddy no <laughs> <laughs> All these uh, great couples. But yeah, I, I I think that's a fun one. Who's your favorite 
who's your other verse OTP and <laughs> why? Um, is it that you find them aspirational? Is that you find them like funny, like fun to read about, like a train wreck waiting to happen? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I like I love it. that. Okay, great. Well, yeah. Um, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, leave a rating and review, spread the packed virus. Um, <laughs> to support the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash doofmedia. And if you'd like to support, yeah, support Wildbo as he continues to write these fantastic stories, go to patreon.com forward slash Wildbo. You can follow the pod on Twitter at Pale Comparison or send us an email at paleincomparisonpod at gmail.com. Keep an eye out for our Reddit thread in r slash parahumans, where you can answer our discussion question and share your thoughts on this episode. In addition, if you would like to see all of my predictions laid out, check out our episode description for a link to a prediction tracker. Next episode, we will be covering chapters 16.1 and 16.2. That's a good breaking point. Ah. I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess before we go, just a quick fun fact, which is the first law school existed in 450 BC. So that's that's a pretty long time. Yeah. I wonder if... And I mean, it, at this rate, Miss Lewis could have gone there. <laughs> I wonder if they stopped to let them... Um, like take classes or whatever like can you go learn some principles of contracts or something come back uh what in the in the demon lawyers yeah well, i feel like it's on the job training and not in a good way <laughs> yeah that's a bummer <laughs> um but yeah it was in what is now beirut in lebanon this first hmm. law school and they taught roman law i guess that's useful if you know got to send people i guess the romans were everywhere so yeah, but yeah, apparently the Roman emperors were big fans of the place. Hmm. So yeah, it's you know the old second, the world's second oldest profession, <laughs> lawyering. Lawyers. That's uh, depressing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with that, we'll see you later. Yeah, and thank you so much again, Elliot, for coming on. This has been fun. A nice three beat. Um, yes, I'm excited and- to go back to being a listener when Jenny comes back. <laughs> it's, it's been really sad having these episodes pop up in my podcatcher and being like, oh, I can't listen to that one. I mean, if you know you, you were narcissistic like me, you could do it. No, I've tried. It's it's awful. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we we're not sure exactly what date we're coming back because uh, wedding and honeymoon and various things. But we will be back. Uh, maybe we'll drop something into the feed in the meantime. Um, but thanks, y'all. Hopefully, this is a fun spot to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're gonna know more than anyone else. I think whether. <laughs> Whether this works. <laughs> At least I get to read the next two chapters. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. Bye.